Welcome back, everybody. It's Dyslexic Dylan here today. We got a really special guest. We've got my high school counselor, Miss Cummins. Hi, Miss Cummins. Hi, Dylan. Thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot. I would do anything for you, my friend. I appreciate it. So, being this being a motivational and uh, dyslexia and education kind of podcast, you're here because you're an education worker. That's correct. So, That's correct. you are a guidance counselor, and you see how many kids you think a day or a week. Let's go a week. How many kids I see a day? A week? I'm trying to think. I probably see about 10 kids a day, five days a week, so about 50 kids give and take. Yeah, so you see 50 different personalities, different backgrounds, different ages a week. That's correct, yeah. I have a caseload from ninth grade to 12th grade, so they range in age from 14 all the way up to 18. And with, with that, you are able, I noticed, like, there's little things about you. You have a conf- a uh, contagious smile and like you make it a really comfortable space when you're in your office like you notice there there's a big ugly school light in everybody's offices and school rooms and you put a blue blue paper yep. over it so it looks like a, a cloud in the yeah. sky so, yeah i try to make the space as warm as possible um sometimes and especially with certain types of students they're afraid to come in and see you right so the more welcoming your physical space is the more likely they're going to be find a connection with you so that's like step one they walk in they see the space is safe i usually have candy which used to partake yep. in all the time my jolly ranchers some lollipops i have bobbleheads on my wall of all yes. different types of character. Um, I have a lot of like fidget spinners because when students talk to you, um, a lot of times they're uncomfortable so they can concentrate on something in their hands that makes it easier for them to talk. So they come in, they see a welcoming environment, they're more welcome to sit down and that's how the whole connection starts with the student. And then with that being said, that's 50 kids, mm-hmm. but then there's also not all 50 kids are in large classes, not all 50 kids are athletes, not all 50 kids or honor students, right? Uh, you see kids with IEPs, and not only seeing kids with IEPs, you interact with them, and then you also have to do meetings with them and their mm-hmm. families and all of their teachers. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And I noticed um, freshman year was rough for me. Um, I, I obviously didn't know how many letters were in the alphabet, didn't know how to read. Mm-hmm. We had those meetings, and it was like, oh, you're going to get kicked off the wrestling team, you got to get your grades up, and we didn't know what was going on. But you see a lot... Um, more than that and a lot less than that. What's it like t- between you talk to the ki- the teachers that the kids work with, you talk to the parents, you talk to the kids, and then you talk to them all together. What's that dynamic like with, I mean, you've seen, you were a big motivator for me, right? Mm-hmm. I walk in, you smile. And then you'd be like, you, I remember, I'll never forget it because I was always discouraged. I always thought I was a stupid kid. I always thought I was just some kid in the band to find more friends and I remember one day, I don't know what grade it was, but you went, you have a very entrepreneur mindset. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I, I get it. And I remember you always telling me in meetings, I'm worried about a lot of kids, but I'm not worried about Dylan. Why were you not worried about Dylan? It, because academics is, is, it's in a book. It's what you learn. It's, it's like following the steps. But who you are as a person in life is really what's going to take you far. It's your ability to make connections with people. It's your ability to have that fearlessness to try new things, to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And you always did that. You did that academically by trying new things and taking those chances. And sometimes you were nervous and sometimes you had setbacks, right? But you never just said, I'm giving up. 
You got back up and you did it again. You joined the wrestling team. You joined the band. You went out there and you put yourself out there. And those kind of abilities to connect with people, to talk, to try, is what really helps you in your career, right? It's never the smartest person in the room that is success. It's the person that is driven. It is the person that wants to learn. It is the person that learns to um, trust themselves and do that. And you have that ability. And I can see that in certain people that, that have that. There are really uh, smart kids that come across my desk, right, that are really brilliant, smarter than me, right, from the get-go. And that's not always the determining success. It's who they are as a person. Are they willing to stand up when they fall down? Because we all fall down yeah. more than once. So um, a lot of times our students with disabilities, they, they've they had to fight their whole entire lives, right, just to kind of keep up with everyone else. So it's something they've been practicing all along. And that I saw in you. You, you didn't give up. You were plucky. You still are. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So with that being said, you see, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me that bothered me Wasted potential. I'd know some kids that were incredibly smart, mm-hmm. but they'd be smoking pot in their car in the parking lot. Right. And it's like, dude. And then they right. oh, come to class. They couldn't even come to class. Now, I remember when I went to BOCES, you, you advertised it to me. What did you think about me freshman year? You saw that I, I was struggling, mm-hmm. and nobody knew what was going on. What did you observe freshman year? Well, you couldn't, you couldn't find your way. Like, you didn't know exactly how you fit in. Because you didn't feel comfortable in the classroom. And we talk about BOCES, and BOCES sometimes is that outlet for students where they can figure out what their passion is. Not everyone's passion is is the same. Like a lot of times in education, the goal is to get students to go to college to follow that linear path to success. And that is not always a case for everyone, right? People have different intelligences different strengths that they can use. Some, sometimes it's it's music. Sometimes it's art. Sometimes it's their personality. Now with social media, you become you can become an influence, right? You can do a podcast. You can use your personality to, um, to kind of further your cause. So to me, that when I saw you, you, you didn't seem comfortable in that classroom. You needed that something else. And so we kind of, as I got to know you, and we kind of worked, we kind of played to figure that out. Um, we started off with computers, and you could have started off with BOCES and found something else, but it was an avenue for you to find success, to you use different parts of your ability to get to a goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I love the word success mm-hmm. because everybody's got a different perspective on it. What is, your, what is your definition, Julie Cummins? On the word success. For me or for my students? For you. For me, it's just happiness. You know, um, as certain aged woman, right, I've been through a lot. I've seen, I've had my highs and I've had my lows. And for, for me, I, I have put a lot of value on just enjoying the things in life, right? Um, enjoying the things that bring me joy, my my hobbies, my interests. I always love to learn, my family, my friends, adventures. That's what happiness is. So as long as I can keep doing that, that's what's going to bring me joy. Do you think that that uh, is impactful from your job, seeing that kids that don't come from such a good background mm-hmm. and they struggle and their family struggles, whether it's financially or emotionally mm-hmm. or there's someone missing in the in the puzzle? Is that what maybe makes you feel so happy and grateful? I love my job. 
I love COVID has has tested that. <laughs> no, it has thrown every because it took away my ability to interact with my students, and that's really what I love doing. The paperwork is really just the the stuff you have to do, but talking with the students is really a joy. So when you really love your job, that that's a balance. You know, I love going to work. I love sitting in the office and just having students pop in. I have a couch in there now, so it's really Whoa. comfortable. Yes, I found that somewhere else in the building. And kids just come in and sit down, not even my students, and they'll just talk because they see the candy, they see the couch, they come on in, and they sit down and they talk. And I, and I love that because I find teenagers so fascinating. They're perceptions on the world and what they think and the hopefulness i think that's great i think you know that's our future right there so the more positive driven happy students we have the better the world will be and you are a mother of two beautiful children i like to call one squidward yeah squidward um and katie Mm -hmm. raising were you a teacher when they were born no so um i went into education probably when when my daughter was in kindergarten is when I graduated and I started working. With my son, I kind of had lots of odd jobs. So I graduated with a, a BA, a bachelor's in psychology, and then I just kind of took different jobs until I found my niche. And then when I finally figured out that I wanted to work in a school, I went back, I got my master's, and by the time I graduated, my daughter was in kindergarten. So no, I wasn't in education when for, they were little. For yeah. 90% of their educational career, mm-hmm. not counting college, you were a a school worker. I was. I was. Yeah. Did that impact the way you raise them and what you put them around? Oh yeah. And for good and for bad, right? So for good and the fact that um I had I was really dialed into the district, what was offered, what to do, like to help them with their plans, whether it's picking their classes or getting them off to college or jobs or whatever it is. I was really dialed in. So that was great. The bad thing is I saw how certain things led kids astray, right? So a lot of times I was constantly like worried like I'd see something my kid do something innocent and I'm like oh my god are they going to be going down this dark path right it's like um knowing what how things can really go badly and sometimes when kids do something it's just normal adolescence and sometimes it's a stepping stone to something else so that would be the negative side but I think mostly it's positive it really I was connected I knew what was going on especially when we got to the high school I knew the other students I knew the teachers I knew the clubs I kind of knew how to to guide them What's one of the biggest life lessons you've learned from working with kids? You got you got to be open-minded, right? And you have to find humor in things. Um, students, I always say, have a really good, um, can I say, bullshit meter, right? Like uh-huh. they understand if you are authentic. So if you go into a room with someone and they're, um, with a student and you're just like being that fake happy, they know, right? So honesty and happiness and being authentic and yourself is really a great way to develop connections with people. So to me, that's the best thing that I've learned is to always just truly be myself and accept people for who they are. There's always a backstory. With everyone you meet, there's always a backstory. I love that. So is there anything you learned watching me and Xander's journeys of, um, may I, I don't know, Xander, but may I say overcoming Mm -hmm. disabilities? You, you, the the two of you, in all the years that I've been doing this, the two of you had the best support system at home. You had parents that were with you, that got you the support that you need, that picked you up when you were down, were frustrated. They worked with me. They worked with your teachers. They were your biggest cheerleaders, and that's great because I did it in the school and they did it at home. 
it's you had it on all avenues. And I hope that that was one of the key reasons why both of you are successful now, that you are feeling that just because it's a little bit, I look at things a little bit different and it may be a little bit harder for me from get to point A to point B doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or I'm not worthy or I'm not smart enough. So I think that that was a great that you had that support at home. And they worked great with me because I don't always get to see everything so they can fill me in when you guys weren't being completely honest with me about certain <laughs> things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which happens. Right? Yeah. Uh, as kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, so being in education, you are also, there's things like field trips and mm-hmm. there's things like um, football games mm-hmm. and basketball games. And then there are, the word is chaperone, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it cool to be, like there's a, it's like a community. Like mm-hmm. you're, the people you work beside, is it like a good family? Is it a good like atmosphere? Right, with my, my colleagues and coworkers? Yeah. yeah, you have to work as a team. You have to work as a team. You know, there's an old saying, it takes a village. Well, it's the same thing in education. It isn't only just the teacher that teaches. It's it's the teacher in conjunction with the counselor and the social worker and the administrator and the secretaries. I mean, they all we all work as a team. And the team that I work with, they all really, truly care about the kids. It's not that fake stuff. When, when a student is having trouble to, like, I locked my keys in the car, like, my secretary, she'll just step up. I'll get the, I'll get the, the SRO, the police officer. Everyone's willing to help, and we always put the key, the needs of the kids first. And that's, that's not just something I'm telling you. That's the honest truth. Uh-huh. And I think as long as you have that, it's great. It's abs- and we laugh. We have to laugh. You have to laugh because it is stressful. I mean, some of the things that we see and hear, it's heartbreaking. So you have to have that sense of humor. So with being in education, what is your perspective or belief? On college versus not college? Um, college is a means to an end. It's not a career. And and I think that a lot of students get really tied to that if they don't go to college, they're not going to be a success. And that is not true. Um, you need to go to college for the right reasons. And the reasons being that it's going to get you to your goal of being whatever that is. It's an expensive proposition. The average um, private school right now is, is averaging about $50,000 a year. Over four years, that's $200,000. That's a lot of money if you're going there just to party, which is what a lot of students do, right? So it has to be meaningful. There has to be a reason why you want to go to college, not just because everyone else is. And it's a, that's a very unpopular thing to say in education because high schools want to have that 97% of their students going to college. Well, it's not for everyone, and it's not going to get them to where they need to be. Um, I come from a blue-collar family. I am the only one in my family that has a college degree. Okay, They're all successful. They all have their, their you know success being happy. They have a home. They have a family. They didn't go to college. It's not it's not the end all be all. And I think especially now with the cost of tuition, you know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that's the only path. And do you are you have a kid in from my knowledge you have one kid in college right now? Yes. Yeah, so my son Zachary is a senior in college and he wants to be a music teacher and my daughter is unsure whether or not she's gonna go. So, um she wants to go they're both music and she wants to do um sound recording, you know, music production. So yep. she's not sure she just maybe wants to get the training or I don't know. So I said, you know, that's fine. Just make sure that you have a plan. You can't graduate and not have a plan, right? We talked about yeah. this, right? There has to be something, a job, an internship, something that you're going to do. Um, just because just to get up on the Monday after graduation and not have a plan, that's not okay. 
Yeah, that's at, not okay. at least have a plan of what you're going to do right. and, and start what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I tell a lot of people, um, I get, they ask my perspective. Mm-hmm. What is my perspective on college? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in it? Do you not believe in it? And I say, um, if a kid goes, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to just figure it out, so I'm going to go. I don't believe or agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe if you don't know what you want to do, take a year off and work. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I did a year of working, and I learned, wh- I can honestly say, learned way more in that last year than I did all my academic career. That's a really unpopular statement, too. Everyone is like, well, then go to a two-year school. You know, because I work and live in the same district, I see my students that go off to a, to a, to a college or a two-year school that don't really want to go, but they figure that's what they have to do. They come back. They're not there. After like a semester or maybe a year, a lot of them don't stay. And we don't see that. Like I don't think that uh, like administration understands that, yeah, we're sending all these, okay, we're sending 80% of our students to school, but how many of them are actually truly staying there? How many actually wanted to go or just were under the impression they had to go because there's no other choice? And if you had, you've obviously had students that go, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college or – well, I don't want to go to work because I'll be judged. Mm-hmm. That I'm, because that I'm, I used to think that I was mm-hmm. too stupid to go to college. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't smart enough. That's a cool kids club. Right, right. Um, do you, what would you tell a kid who goes, that's a cool kids club. I'm not smart enough for that. I'm going to go to work and then put his head down about it. Yeah, I would kick him in the butt. Do you remember the discussions we used to have when you said, well, maybe I'm going to go in the military? And I said to you, do you want to go in the military? And you're like, No, but I don't know what else to do. I said, well, don't go in the military. Nothing against people who have gone into the military. Don't go into the military if that's not what you want, right? I said, we can find a different avenue for you. So I I would tell the students, like, a lot of them don't want to tell me that they don't want to go to college. But a lot of times when I meet with my seniors, I tell them, listen, you don't have to go, um, but you have to have a plan. So if that's not what you want to do, let's look and think outside the box. What else can we do? Um, so, you know, it depends. But a lot of them, it's pressure from the parents, too, forcing them to go. So, And when it comes to that, I have to always say, like, I'll give them my opinion. But, again, I, I can't in, in good conscience say, don't listen to your parents. You know, I have to say, like, okay, listen to what they say, but don't forget that you have a voice and that this is your life. So have that conversation with them that maybe you don't want to go or maybe you want to try this. Yeah. So um, with me, I don't know. If, well, I don't know. You probably know more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember looking back, there would be in some meetings, my tutor, Mm -hmm. my parents, Mm -hmm. you, my teachers, and then one other person, I forget her name, but she was like an advocate Mm -hmm. for the support that was needed. Um, I remember that she was there, but she was always quiet. What would go on behind the scenes when we were not in meetings? Because you guys had meetings. What was like, what was the purpose between a teacher, admin, tutor, parent meeting? Without the child. I don't like those. I feel like we, we're talking about someone's um, future in classes without the person there who's actually going to live it. But in the instances where the student isn't there, a lot of time it's a discussion on what we think is best for the student, whether that be what classes, what kind of supports, how that student is doing, where we might see future struggles depending on whatever his schedule is. And, again, I don't feel that that's... Um, beneficial because it's the student that actually follows the schedule it's a student that has the difficulties it's a student that's going to be the 
person that can articulate what it is that they need from the people that are there to support them. So having a meeting without the student, to me, is not beneficial. But some, te- some parents don't want their students in there. They don't want them to hear what the plans are or what, they're, you know, what issues there might be. And I feel like that's, that's wrong. It's you. You should know what's going on, you know? Yeah. So with a kid struggling with a disability and he's in school, we'll go middle school, high school age, and he's not knowing what to do, but he's incredibly frustrated and the parents are frustrated, what is something that you would tell them? I sit him down. We try to find out exactly what's frustrating them, right? So um, sometimes you need the help of a teacher and sometimes you need the help of a social worker and sometimes they just need to know that sometimes we struggle and that's okay, okay? And not understanding geometry, which I don't understand, doesn't mean that you're stupid. It just means that that's not your forte. That's not your your strength. Your strength lies elsewhere. So if you're struggling in this, let's try to find something that gives you some, um, that makes you feel good about yourself, whether that be music or a different type of class or something that helps you find your passion and your intelligence. Because I truly believe that everybody has that. And some for some people, it's just social. Like, I'm able to talk to people and do stuff, and that's and that's their strength and their passion and their intelligence. Okay? We, we, in education, we like to put people in boxes, and they have to fit in those boxes. And that's not life. When you're dealing with people, there's, there's, no, there's no box. There should never be a box. We're all different. I love that. So there are nine different types of intelligences. So um, I also don't believe in the word impossible because nothing is, but it's also impossible to not be smart in some aspect Mm -hmm. because we all have different types of intelligences Mm -hmm. and we can all have the power Mm -hmm. to do what we want. It's um, if you let that, if you hide behind the fear of what others will think, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be completely honest. I wanted to do this in high school. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a show. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be part of a team. And I was too scared of what my peers would say or make fun of me in the halls or comment on the videos. And uh, that's why I didn't start until afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I understand if anybody's like afraid or nervous about what people think. But like you said before, it doesn't matter what they think because it's their life. It's whoever's life it is. So if right. you're in a meeting talking about them, they should be there. It's them. Right. Right. And a lot of times what you're talking about, Dylan, is like it's like immaturity. When you're in high school... You think that you are this mature adult, and you're not. Like, that fear of what other people are going to think is really peaks, right, in high school. Because the goal of high school is to kind of fit in and yes. to not be marginal, to not be that outcast, or to be with the with the cool kids or whatever it is, to not be the one that's left out. So I can understand that fear. And then you realize that when you graduate, that life is not like that, right? The people in your life are supportive of you, and love you. That's why they're in your life. So some of that fear naturally falls away. So I'm happy that you kind of took that chance. And I'm sorry that you felt like that in high school. And that you felt like marginalized and that you couldn't do something that you're interested in. You know, that's my goal is to make, sh- um, to push kids to, to push past that fear, right? To try that little bit and take a chance. What would you tell a kid who just found out he's got severe dyslexia and is just starting the journey that I did? That it's, it's, it's definitely doable, that high school is doable, and that there are people in the building that can help them find strategies and help them achieve success and not to give up. Because there's always going to be obstacles in life, always. 
life is not easy. We always struggle. And we learn best and we do sometimes do best when we have to overcome something. And that goal that we get to is so much sweeter when it takes struggle to get there. If it's easy, then we kind of take it for granted. Like you were saying before, right, the really smart people who don't go to class, who sit in the, in the car and do nothing because they don't, have to, they don't have to work to get to that end goal. So they don't put value in it. So, you know, what's it like to watch a kid go from a freshman, which is puts him at, what, 14, 15 years old, and you being local, meaning you get to watch the kids mm-hmm. go on beyond. Mm-hmm. What is that like? I love it. You do? My, one of my favorite days, graduation day, when they're out on the field and they're in their cap and gowns and they have this sense of accomplishment. Oh, look what I did. I graduated in four years. And they have this whole future in front of them. And that smile on their face, that's one of my favorite days. One of my, hands down, one of my favorite days. Because I get to see that young kid become an adult, a young woman or a young man. So I love that. You know, I'm going to out myself. Uh, I went home after um, graduation and I just cried. You did? I did. Why? Because, you know, going from freshman year, not knowing how many letters were in the alphabet, knowing that I was stupid, staying back in algebra, being in the small classes, being called the stupid kid for so long, and then to do everything I did and come back that sophomore year. You remember when I came back sophomore Mm -hmm. year? And everything changed. Mm-hmm. I did that. I threw my summer away. I did t- tutoring. I learned the alphabet. And I came back with, a, oh, no, I've got more to give. I'm worth more. I can do more. I'm not stupid. I started getting offended about being called stupid. But when I got to hold, I mean, it wasn't a diploma, but when I had the cap and gown on mm-hmm. and I knew I earned the diploma and I was given the book, well, I was marginalized, so I didn't want to, I wanted to be, men aren't supposed to cry in mm-hmm. public eye, I mm-hmm. guess. But, like, it was like we'll work on that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I did. I sat in my car and I just was like, I, "Oh, we did that," mm-hmm. and it was like the holy grail for me because it mm-hmm. was the absolute impossible mountain. Like there was years, there was times when I was in school and I was like, you said, I was like, "I'm gonna drop out and join the army." I was in that mindset like mm-hmm. a lot. Senior year, I remember we we had lots of different conversations. I'm gonna be a firefighter. Do you want to be a firefighter? No, but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> like, did you remember that? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, well, okay. Like, I'm all for you trying new things, but don't just settle. Like, you can't just settle. No, you can't. You know, it, life is 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 short and it's hard. You should enjoy. It. You should do what you want to do because if you find a job that you love, you know they say it's not like working. It's more than that. It adds a balance. You spend a lot of your hours at your job. And if you're miserable, that's going to carry over into when you're not in your job. You're going to be miserable all the time. And I've seen that with people who hate their job, um, not not in education so much, but when, in my prior careers, they're miserable all the time because they're like, oh, i got to go to work on Monday. And who wants to live like that? Right? Who wants to live like that? No one. <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> so my mindset now is I talk to five new people a day, mm-hmm. pay it four to three. Mm-hmm. And I don't judge anybody because my, my outlook on judgment is it doesn't make sense because... There's three of us in a room. My definition of weird and your definition of the word weird wouldn't match. So if I were to judge you and call you weird, how would it make sense because it doesn't judge your perspective on that word? So that stuff doesn't add up to me. So I don't do it. So I talk to five new people a day. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how tall you are, the clothes you wear and the car you drive, where you're from. I look at every conversation as an opportunity. Like I can talk to a complete stranger. Hey, I'm Dylan. This is what I'm about. Tell me about yourself. I mean, everybody in their own story, you're your own hero. 
So tell me about that hero you know. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. There's a connection. There's somebody I know now. And maybe I'm, I'm, you know how hard it is to not learn something through a conversation like that? It's so incredibly hard. And then you, you play tennis with them. Oh, this is what I'm about. Really? Oh, I'm into that too. Oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Waiting about this. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a relationship. And then you're both learning. But you do that to five new people a day. That's, that's six people who are, have learned something and are more intelligent, more well-rounded through a conversation. And, and you never realize how much you touch someone's life. Even with the simple act of saying hello every day, even with the simple act of having candy in your office, there are kids who come back who, who I didn't know, you know, it meant so much one day. I came in there and I was having a bad day and you just gave me candy and we just talked about uh, something silly and, and I left out, but that's what I needed. So it's the simplest act of, of asking someone about their story. You don't know what the ripple effect is for them going forward. Like, hey, this perfect, this perfect stranger came and asked me about something and made me feel important and made me yeah. feel good. So it's a win-win, right? It's good for you and it's good for them. Yeah, so I wake up every day and I smile because I woke up. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it, I go, I don't know who did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who gave it to me. Mm-hmm. But somebody has given me the gift to not live this next day because I don't know, mm-hmm. but to live in this moment. Mm-hmm. So I was granted enough to live this very moment. So you can plan a week out all the hell you want. But if somebody doesn't gift you that week, those plans aren't worth nothing. Exactly. It's that, like, that's hard. That's a skill to have to do that. Yeah? yeah. I think. I think I, I don't always do that. I'm always worried about all the little details. That's part of being a mom. So being able to really stay in the moment is hard, and that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Staying in the moment, enjoying what you have. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I've been gifted this day, so I get to go to work. Mm-hmm. I get to get out of my bed. I get to use all my limbs. I get to connect with people. I get to grow in my career. I get to learn, and I get to touch people's lives. And if I woke up, I can touch five more people's lives today. Mm-hmm. And I have a notebook in my office, and I write down mistakes I made, people I've met, things I've learned. Mm-hmm. I don't read it. And I come to my office 30 minutes early every morning, and I read it. And I go, how can I implement all of this in today's Dylan that's been gifted and fortunate to see this said notebook? Mm-hmm. So this Dylan can be better than yesterday's. It's awesome. That's awesome. More people should have that kind of um, introspection about themselves, right? Then making themselves better makes the people around them better, and that just multiplies. Yeah, and I I want – motivation is very different because everybody's very different. So I want to be able to touch and motivate somebody who needs a – you're fat, get off your ass, you're lazy, you're loser, you're doing nothing with your life, get it taken care of. And they're like, okay, I got you. Like, oh, he's right. But there's also people who need a, well, you need help, but there's no I in team, so we're doing this together. We're going on a run. We're studying. We're going to get this test passed. We're going to lose that weight together as a team. Mm -hmm. I want to be that middle. We're like, oh, Dylan, I understand what he's saying. I'm motivated. I'm moved. But, like, the little things is, like, you make somebody smile. If they're having a crappy morning, their day is better now and you fixed it. Mm -hmm. If their day is okay, you made it better because they smiled. If it's going good, you've ensured that it's going to be great because they're in that mindset. Fabulous. Keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely in into what you're saying. It's absolutely true. I think people forget that. We get so bogged down in the little details that we don't see the gratefulness, to be grateful, right? To be grateful for what you have, for the people in your life, for the job that you have, for whatever it is, the things that you hold dear. Don't ever forget that because they're, they're not guaranteed. 
They're definitely not guaranteed. For a long time, I thought the clothes that I wore, the car that I drove, the girls I was surrounded by, the town I lived in mattered on who I was. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, uh, get that goofy shirt off you. The man makes the man. Mm-hmm. The car he drives doesn't make the man. Mm-hmm. The belt he wears doesn't make the man. The job he has doesn't make the man. The man makes the man. And my honest, my success is... I want those who watched me through and seeing me now to smile and go, I'm proud of what he's done. I'm proud of what he's doing and I'm proud of where he's going. Which is true, but you have to believe that as well. Cause that's the most important. Are you proud of where you've been and are you proud of what you're doing? And are you proud of where you're heading? Because when you put your head down the pillow, that's that person's opinion. That's the most important is yours. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I understand the importance of having the people around you, but you're going you're gonna to grow, and you're going to move and eventually move out of your parents' house and be on your own. You are always with you, and the people with li- that you in your life will sometimes change. Um, not that you won't ever see your parents again, but maybe you move, and they're a little further away, you know, and maybe your brother is a little further away, and people that you see every day, you won't. So believing in yourself and being proud of yourself, that's more important than whatever anyone else believes. Thank you so much. What is one thing you would say to the audience? Any kid who's struggling with anything, motivation, uh, schoolwork, a disability, not fitting in, what would you tell them? That, that things always change, always, for good and for bad. And if you are having a bad time now, that is not always, that is not forever, okay? Tomorrow can bring something that changes it, a person, an activity, an event, and that we're always changing. So if you're struggling now, it doesn't mean that you're going to struggle tomorrow, the next day, or the next day, right? Reach out to the people in your lives. Get that help. It's not a weakness to ask for help. It's a it's a weakness to not ask for help. Awesome. Yeah. Miss Cummins, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. It, you've impacted my life so incredibly through my high school career. Oh. I that makes me very, very happy and I'm gonna try not to cry because <laughs> that's what we that's what we shoot for in education, right? Is to help students to be their best, right? To make this this place and this area that we live in and the world that we live in better. Thank you so much. You guys, this is Dyslexic Dylan and Miss Cummins. You're all beautiful. There's nine different types of intelligences. Hang in there. You got this. You are smart. You're beautiful. You're capable and you are strong. This is Dylan with Diaz for Dyslexia signing off. Thank you so much. See you next time.